Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's get political. Political. Please explain. Flexing the democracy muscle. We cannot succumb to the laziness. Get informed. Get fit. Do you want Labour's energy? It's time to flex your democratic muscles, pals. Let's get political with your hosts, Sky Riggs and Stacey June. Welcome to the third episode of Let's Get Political. We're here to figure out how we can exercise our political muscle. I'm Sky Riggs, founder of YVote. And I'm Stacey June, founder of me, myself. Which Yay. is never, that's going to be something random that happens at the beginning of every episode. I actually was listening to our podcast two days ago and I thought, well, I'm technically not the founder of myself. My no. parents are, yeah. right? So it's t- a lie, but so we'll, we'll just go have with to it. come up with another job title for you. <laughs> okay, we've got an interesting one today. It's shocked me actually researching this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it started. We were like having a bit of a combo because you were fired up. You got a bit of a, you got a flyer in your letterbox. There were two parts. I got a flyer maybe from Malcolm Turnbull, and then I saw an ad on the tally for the Liberal Party, which was spoken by John Howard. And I remember sitting and having brunch with you saying, I actually find it really, um, I feel like it's a misrepresentation of the current party by using past leaders that people feel familiar and confident with. And I thought that that's not the current party. So I feel like that's not who should represent who we will vote? Who we will vote into parliament? Yeah, I found that really um, distasteful, to be honest, and a bit of a trick. You explained to me though that they still are very involved. Yeah, which I understood, but I still didn't like the fact that they're not actually working day to day in parliament, representing the things that we want to move across as a community. And I just, mm. I don't know, there was something about that that made me open up a bit of a question of just kind of how quickly we can be influenced in this time. We're all busy. We're rushing around. Um, a lot of the messaging is online. So we're consuming it quite quickly. And maybe you're not even noticing an ad is up that's of a, a politician that was a prime minister 10 years ago. And mm. you're just getting an emotional reaction because you liked him back yeah. then. And then all of a sudden, when you get to the polling booth, you're heading there voting from a feeling you have from a dude that made you feel that 10 years ago and that's not <laughs> anyone that's on the actual piece of paper. I just thought that yeah. was bullshit. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, it's common. Is it common with all parties yeah, though? Yeah, totally. Like we've seen the launch of the Labor Party campaign in the last few days and they roll out like all of the previous prime ministers and to show unity and, yeah, when we were having that conversation on that day, it, I was kind of like, well, yeah, like, of course they do that because those players are still really involved in the kind of maybe not the front-facing part of the party, but they're involved in things on the back end. And I guess from my perspective, I was just kind of thinking, well, we don't like – personally, I expect to see it with a commercial product, so why wouldn't we expect to see it 
in politics. So today's conversation then stemmed from who can we trust Mm. and how are we being targeted? And I think that's a massive question and something that's the biggest thing these days is what are the tactics that are being used to kind of quite not subliminally influence us but um you know it's it's definitely <laughs> there's some pretty full on tactics being used to influence voters especially swing voters right uh, people that are undecided okay yeah and they know where you are like you know they talk about how the media tells us that they'll go and maybe even have the you know, the final day of election day um, where the Prime Minister or the person, you know, Bill Shorten, for example, or one of the other parties will go and actually campaign in the suburb of an area that is swing, like a swingers yeah. vote. So they, they, they're very aware of where you are. I mean, yeah, and that's quite old school. Like you'll see, so in those marginal seats, the seats where there's a very small margin between uh, the two major parties usually, and it could go any way in those, the seats where they really want to win, they'll roll out the political leaders in those seats on election day. Which is why I think for the state election I was talking about earlier, um, I think I would have got a letter from Turnbull because where I live, it was quite a swing, there was quite a, a seat in danger. Mm. Having said that though, the seat had, I think, been with the Liberal Party for over Oh, God, years, decades and decades, I think. Mm, I think I remember having this conversation with you and it was right when the uh, Christchurch shooting had Mm -hmm, happened mm -hmm. and the campaign advertisement you received was linked to the gun reform laws Mm. that John Howard brought in. That's right. And it was that link. Which I thought was really fucked, to be honest. I did because I think it plays at emotions that have really nothing to do with the current the current political landscape. It was a party that did something quite substantial and progressive for that time and it was something that I think we're all very grateful for um, regardless of what, what party it was. It was one of those moves that ended up being a part of our history for sure. But has that got anything to do with this election in my opinion? No, if they were saying we've got these types of policies in place to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen here and this is what the future looks like, sure. But that was pulling off something that happened a long time ago. So I just, it just really made me wonder if I wasn't doing this podcast and having these conversations with you, how aware of that would I have been? And would I have been influenced in that from an emotional level if I hadn't have been paying proper attention? Yeah, and I think the thing is, and why I was kind of not shocked was because I expect for campaigning, you know, any advertising to be drawing on emotions because we know that people don't pay attention necessarily to policy. Mm. We Mm. pay attention to things that are evocative. And so the thing was I went and looked into it and like I said, I if I expect it from a commercial brand, then why wouldn't I expect to see it? In politics, but the thing that absolutely. I think many people don't. 
Yeah. I think well, that's so the concerning thing. Here's the thing. thing is like we're protected. There's advertising standards, right, for in commerce. Yeah. So and when you say commerce and, and products and commercial, mm. you mean like um, McDonald's mm-hmm. or like a uh, Nivea or yep. um, Priceline or, you know, yep. anything and everything that you see, um, Weight Watchers, whatever you see on the ads in between MasterChef, you are getting targeted. Yeah. And so I feel like for me, I have, I go into all of that try to anyway with going <laughs> with some degree of skepticism because mm-hmm. I know I'm being targeted and manipulated and there's, a you know, there's a lot of work that goes into psychologically into mm. targeting products at us. And so I expect the same from political advertising. And what I'm hearing from you is you would expect that they'd be held to a higher standard. Is that right? That's right. So the thing that like I've said to you stays that there's something that I discovered that I keep feeling like I have to keep Googling because I cannot quite believe it. Really? Um, and I, I just feel like this, you know, occasionally I come across. And what have you been Googling? So I was just Googling, um, ed- legislation around truth in advertising. Right. In advertising for. In political advertising. Political advertising. So the, a, that's a big factor. Yes. Yeah. So in political advertising. Yeah. So I was trying to get to them. Um, and like the thing is, what I've discovered is different aspects are governed by different laws, mm-hmm. um, which isn't surprising, but. The thing that shocked me is that currently there is no legal requirement for political advertising to be factually correct. So there's no legislation around it? No. So so, this, so essentially what you're saying is with advertising and those um, particular targeted marketing that we get from products, they have to report to a board of uh, like of conduct, right? Yeah. So there's self-regulation in the industry and, and as there's do some we, laws. As yeah, do yeah, the yeah. media, as yeah. do I, as a radio broadcaster. There's certain things you can and cannot say when it comes to talking about politics in, in a public mm, forum. Mm, mm. So, this so you're the- saying that we all do that. But they don't have that. Well, so this is why I was really confused because it just seemed like not only are they not held to the same standards, that it didn't seem that there was any standards at all. And I was just like, how can this be right? So the thing that I've learned is that there's like broadcasting guidelines and things like this. And the big thing that is, is they always have to say who is paying for the ad like they have to you know how there's the authorized yeah, 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 yeah. they have to be clear about which where. you can never hear <laughs> yes. like um, so it's not really but you, that's their like the idea is having you know it being clear who is advertising so if you get that flyer in your inbox it's clear who is sending that message to you but what i found was there's this kind of debate around there being able to be like free political agency and people not wanting to regulate that. And the general, what I, my understanding is the general consensus is that you could legislate, but it would be very difficult to enforce laws around this. Who says that? A bunch of people that research the topic. Oh, yeah, because there's well, there's it's difficult to be able to make laws on a lot of things. That doesn't mm. mean you just don't make them. Exactly. Well, but the thing is, so the vibe I got was that the political parties, the major political parties, don't really want heavier regulation on it. Surprise, surprise. 
Well, of course. I don't want to be told that I can't speed, but I have to because it's for my safety. Yes, yes. So, of course, you know, this is the thing that really makes us all quite sceptical is because it's like why are we not able to play on the same rules? Mm -hmm. Like why is it all of a sudden that you get elected that you have different rules than the rest of us? They're doing a profession, not only a profession but a duty to the country, but they've got a profession to do, right? If I'm going to work, there's particular things that I have to live and breathe by from a legality perspective perspective, from a contractual perspective, and also in my line of work, from a broadcasting perspective. Mm. So why should there not be any other expectations around people that A, broadcast, B, make the rules for our country, and C, are constantly telling us something that then we're not sure is they can ever, they're ever accountable for? Yeah. So there's stuff around like defamation and this kind of thing. But when I dug deeper, like the Electoral Commission, like there's an Electoral Act, there's stuff around that, and particularly around you know, who's giving the authority. And apparently there's some stuff there in around misleading information. But when I dug deeper, I just couldn't find, you know, and maybe we need to get a lawyer on the show, but I just couldn't find anything around actually being able to prosecute against that, which I found, you know, if that's hard, like for someone to even, if that's unclear for someone who spends some time researching that, like then it's obviously not clear. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that was kind of, bizarre to me. I was just shocked. But also, like, of course, we have, you know, they can't go too out of line because it will just be called out in the media and that kind of thing. So there's a funny the thing there that can play out when you're in the public sphere, I think. But the thing that I think is just a much bigger issue is on top of that, political parties get access to data via the electoral roll, which is has always been the case. Because I was going to ask earlier, how do they know about the swinging votes, but they get that data? Oh, well, so that's like kind of, so there's lots of things they can do. It's already clear based on public results of elections. Mm -hmm. So you know where there's a a seat. And then on top of that, like they do all kinds of focus groups and figure out Mm -hmm. who's, you know, they break down the voter data on like who's Mm -hmm. voting how and it's Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But what they can do now is they can couple your email address with the data they get from the electoral roll, which is your name and address, which no one else can access that information, mm-hmm. just political parties, and then match that with social media profiling and target you in super, super specific ways. So one of the – I think this is so random. It must be like some memo I've missed. But one of the kind of like early ads that was happening between the major parties on Facebook in this 2019 election was like targeting people by like what kind of you they drive so it's just like so this plays out kind of live and of course on digital media you can it's so much different to broadcast media where you know I mean what kind of you you drive says a lot about you and I understand why they've done it but I think it's like so so smart and so fucked up that it's that you there's so many layers here like I think Mm. it's already messed up that you can define a character trait from a you. Like I think that that's got nothing to do with politics, but I think that in itself is so concerning in this country <laughs> that depending on whether you drive a Holden or a Ford <laughs> is going to depend on what kind of person you are. So that's already so but screwed. But also they've got an ad for every brand of car anyway, so it's like anyway. Um, so I found – so I think it's where it's like sw- switches into the digital realm it gets – 
scary because they can build like really robust profiles of people and target them based on their interests and based so, on things you've liked. So kind of thing. let's bring it down to mm. being a little bit more relatable to us. Mm. What would be something specific? As an example, mm-hmm. this isn't something that you know from fact, mm. but just as an example, what could they do something to specifically target me? So for example, they could target you by like your age and your location and Mm -hmm. the interests that you've indicated on Facebook, for example. Right. Maybe if you were a homeowner Mm -hmm. in a key affluent electorate and they know those people are interested in negative gearing, they might target you saying with like fear campaigns against what one party might do Mm -hmm. if you're a homeowner or if you're in another electorate where uh, it might be based on job security or it might be um, the things that they really target are probably going to be very like it depends on the demographic and your age so for young people they know young people care about issues around employment and mental health and climate change so they'll be probably running advertising on those things and Mm -hmm. so if and then kind of deeper level happens is if you've clicked on something they use um different software that can also draw out information from social media. And so if you've subscribed or liked certain, even if you don't follow them, if you've liked a post that they've posted, say on climate change, it'll then extract that data and put it in their system that that's an issue that matters to you and then they can target you further. Okay, so I know you're not a lawyer and I know you're very conscious about, you know, speaking on behalf of the law when you're not 100% equipped to, but from what you understand, what, how are they able to access this information? Like, like how? Is it, is it just got to a matter that we've moved so quickly with social media that laws haven't been put in place? And yep. who is the person releasing this? Like, where does all this information live? Like on a cloud that maybe our security system has? Well, like- it's not like, it, you know, like so many companies would have this level of profiling on us too. Like I know with my email. But I get that because yeah, yeah. I, I, I tick the yeah. box to say, when I sign up for another Gmail account, yeah, yeah, yeah. that I'm aware they've got yeah. all of my info. But I'm not aware. I don't quite understand how they're getting this if I'm not signing up to, to the some- Labor Party. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, so they've got access to the electoral roll and there's lots of little things. Like they might run a petition on an issue. If you sign that petition, suddenly they've got your email address and it might be framed to you as a petition on something. It'll still be clear that it's that party, but like that's often not a detail we pay attention to. But what about stuff that's mm. not politics? Because that's, I mm. think, a lot of a, many, much more people are not signing up to a petition, but still mm. being targeted. So how are they getting, how do you reckon they're getting the information? And again, it's probably a question for a tech person, but mm. where, all of this information is being stored across a cloud somewhere, some kind of internet thing. And so say, for example, there's maybe a potential terrorist attack or there's we're in danger. You understand that there's bodies that are there to protect us to yeah, be able yeah, to yeah. hack into that system. Is that the same kind of system that the government are using? No, not right. well, to okay. my knowledge, no. Okay, no yeah. What they're doing is that, like it's the stuff you put on social media a lot of the time. So it's stuff you're doing actively. Yeah, yeah. So that they can get like, software For example, if you put where you're employed, your address, I don't know, your marital status, all mm-hmm. that, your relationship status, all that on social media, depending on what like so systems they're using, they can extract that data. So say, okay, so say I'm a party and I am my swinging vote. There's a, there's mm-hmm. a fear that we're going to lose mm-hmm. a seat in, um, you know, I don't know, 
uh, Western Sydney, Wollongong, Wollongong. whatever, yeah, yeah, Wollongong, and so they can they will try and get maybe some software program that's probably custom built, I would imagine, that can pull information from people in Wollongong like well it doesn't need to be that specific like you can take an area and go well in general we know like is the part is that they can be really targeted so we can go well in for example I don't know much about Wollongong but you know we know that um female voters aged 25 to 40 in Wollongong are swing voters and we know that a lot for a lot of them x issue is really important because this happening and so they could just target based on okay, those demographics okay okay and so then, I'm kind of getting a bit more of a clearer picture actually so a lot of the information they're getting from the electoral roll and then they're using social media as ways to find you not so much that they're pulling as much information from social media. It's more that they've got information on who you are or who they want to target and then they've, they can find you clearer with the way that you, I guess, so, behave no, on social it's more media. Like data matching. The campaign groups use this too. Like they can put a pixel, an image on your email, like on the email they send to you and if you click on something that will give them access to certain data and like over time they build profiles of people and then they can, you know, we've all done, like if you've run any ad on Facebook or Instagram, you do, let's, you build a profile and you say target people like this mm. um, and that's what they're doing. But I guess because of the fact that they can couple this with electoral roll data means that it's becoming really sophisticated. And I think then the other thing is, is you start to mix it in with like full psychological, like, you know, they, all sorts of interest groups, not just political organizations, um, have very sophisticated approaches and they bring in psychologists and stuff. So they won't target people like in a really obvious way. They won't be like, don't vote for this party. They'll be like, target you because maybe you've expressed something about an issue you care about and they'll do something to swing like to undermine your trust so um for example this is what happened in the in the US in the their last campaign was I can't remember what player it was but um one of the things that happened with Hillary Clinton is they targeted people not who were for or against Hillary Clinton but voters that were on the fence that might be likely to vote for her and targeted them with information that was just designed to undermine their trust in her so it wasn't saying vote for this party or that party it was just designed to undermine their trust and so this is what different players are doing um, on the issue to issue level there we saw it in um, the marriage postal survey where people will tag you with like evocative content to skew you in a certain direction to seed misinformation and undermine your trust in something without being overtly trying to push you towards a different party but that's what it can do and I think the thing as like citizens that's really tricky is that that's much like less clear to see than you know if there's an ad on tv and it's like vote for this party it's very clear about who's sending you that message whereas when you're being targeted online and it's not explicitly clear about one who's sending you that information and two what the source of that information is if it's true or not they're two things that are really unclear and so then we're suddenly up against this and on top of that is designed to pull at our heartstrings and in a very, very targeted way. That's where we're in really tricky territory as citizens in navigating things like elections. I think one of the things that um, can be unclear is we keep hearing about like 
foreign interference in elections and how this might undermine democracy. And it can be like a bit unclear on what on earth that means. You know, in the US election, how there's been all of this stuff with Trump around whether Russia, he was in like, you know, in cahoots with Russia to change the election outcome. So essentially, Russia helped him win the election because once he got into power, they would essentially like, they might they benefit would, from yeah it. they'd benefit from it. That's that- like one. So that's one theory, and that's what's being investigated. And whether like one whether that occurred, which it's come up, it has occurred. But two, like whether he had knowledge of that. Which, yeah. So I was aware yeah. of that, but I don't have any idea of how that affects us. So I think this is a really complicated area, and it is really unclear. You know, maybe years ago it wouldn't have been as easy for different people to influence our elections, but because of digital media, it is. So we're going to talk to. Tom, who is not only fairly young, so he can speak our language, but he's the vice president for the Australian Institute of International Affairs in New South Wales Mm -hmm. and a research fellow with Remy AI, which is an artificial intelligence company based in Australia in the US. Yeah, I know. So it's great to have someone that's like, when I talk to him every time, one, it kind of freaks me out, but two, it's just amazing how there's this whole world of stuff going on. And I mean, I thought I had cool friends, but that's crazy. (laughs) Um, And so I hope... I'm interested to also ask him Mm. just a little bit about how this actually affects us. Did you know? In 2013, Clive Palmer won his seat of Fairfax by 53 votes. Oh, that just tells you that a vote does count. And I know you bang on about that to me every day, but that's proof important. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So we're with Tom, who's from the Australian Institute of International Affairs, and he's here to talk to us about fake news, people trying to influence our elections, and what on earth we should be looking out for. Nice to have you, Tom. Yeah, it's good to be here. Tom, I'm going to just kick this off because I'm sure Sky's got a gazillion questions to put a lot of things right that we've had. A, we've had a pretty full on conversation, and and as you probably know, being friends with Sky, she likes to make sure she's dotted her eyes and crossed her t's. Um, but I really am very interested more so in finding out, I guess, how how we can be internationally, I suppose, infiltrated when it comes to the election. When I've, when I've understood, and I'm going to sound, this is all going to be kind of basic bitch knowledge here, but when I've properly- I thought under- it was beige bitch. Ah, oh, whichever, <laughs> basic or beige. Um, but I just guess I want to preface by saying that, but my understanding of the Trump-Russia um, debacle, it just feels very um, isolated to us. I just never really thought in a million years that any of those types of issues could be similar issues that we would have to face. Is that the case? And who has interest in the result of our election overseas? Well, uh, I mean, if we're specifically talking about Russia, um, there's some evidence that they got a little bit involved with the um, marriage postal survey in Australia. So they've already, I suppose, been involved in trying to influence the outcome of, um, of voting in Australia. And they're not actually interested in the end result of the election. 
Um, all they're trying to do is to sow division and to increase the temperature of debate to make it, uh, I suppose, more vitriolic to to pit one side against the another. And um, that's where quite quite heated topics are what they're interested in when it comes to influence. For instance, with the postal survey, they tried to influence both sides of the debate. Oh, so they went for the wow. alt-right and they tried to um, increase the temperature on that side. And they were also posting in the LGBTQI communities to increase the temperature of the debate over there. Their only um, goal was to sow division. They don't actually have a policy position. Wow. Because, it, I mean, my understanding would be, isn't it illegal still to be gay? So I just straight away thought, well, they would be trying to get across their, I guess, their agenda, but that's not the case at all. They're trying to create unease? Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to, I suppose, um, widen the cleavages that uh, they would see as existing in communities and open communities like Australia um, are susceptible to this kind of attack at the moment. So what would be their motive for doing that then? Uh, well, if you look at the Brexit vote and the 2016 US presidential election, the motive is to um, create discord and to ultimately weaken the governance of those, say, the, the democratic governance uh, regimes in the UK, in, in the US. Um, and they have been relatively successful in both of those uh, cases. And can I just sew a bit of a thread here? Like one of the indicators when you see a decline in faith of a system of government in democracy, that's when authoritarian power, like people start to consider that as an alternative. So people are more likely to be open to, say, a dictatorship if they feel like democracy isn't working for them. Yeah, and when you hear young people say that, you know, democracy is um, not necessarily working for them or the best um, – you know, the best governance for them and that like a, a benevolent dictatorship might actually achieve the job better. You've got to actually worry. Mm. Big time. Well, we've seen it happen in our lifetime now. You know, it seems to in a country that you think it couldn't happen to. I am in a bit of shock. So, Sky, you. <laughs> That's okay. Me. So, say, so when you say they've already influenced and they might seek to influence, and it's not just Russia, there's lots of different, um, I guess we'll call them part, like not political parties, but I guess actors that might be interested in doing this. How might they go about that? Uh, so, one of their key avenues is going to be through social media. So, they will, they'll propagate memes, they will, um, uh, use fake news, misinformation campaigns. A lot of it is old-fashioned propaganda tactics, but in used in modern electronic communication. Right. So, because we were talking about that earlier in the episode, that a lot of the targeting um, is much more tricky now because of social media, but essentially it it is similar tactics to what people have been doing all the time. It's just that we're so completely... I don't know, in a different place of behaviour and society that it means it just adds a whole other level of complexity. Is Russia the only one that I suppose is um, a conversation point? Are there other particular countries or a different reasoning why there'd be other international bodies that would be trying to um, affect the result of our election? So uh, Russia's the one which does it in the most easily traceable way back to them. Um, but you could have concerns about any kind of foreign actor. Um, and particularly where we would have, um, say, diaspora communities who are operating in different languages, that actually gives um, a good opportunity for a foreign actor to begin trying to influence um, news and debate within 
within the channels that those communities use. So one of the things that I have learned is that Facebook have actually um, put in place some systems so that the Electoral Commission can flag any one trying to run ads from an international, like outside of Australia that are related to the election. But how could that, like, so they, so that they can flag it and shut it down. But how would that even work? Because, you know, a lot of this stuff isn't overtly political advertising. Do you know much about kind of, because obviously regulation isn't catching up. So what other kind of systems and processes do we have to try and prevent outsider influence on our elections so that they can be free and fair? There's very little. I mean, and the thing is, depending on the technical solutions that they've put in place to try and stop that, you can probably just arrange to have a domestic buyer of that advertising or to Mm. push those messages from a domestic location and you might be able to circumvent uh, any kind of systems that are picking up on international purchasing. Um, If you look at the 2016 US election, one of the things that um, the Russian fake news um, I suppose, activities uh, did was when they'd isolated a group of undecided voters that they wanted to target, the messaging that they hit them with wasn't even related to the election. It was completely different. And so they were just working out what kind of messages might sway them to think something um, that would push them towards voting in a way. So if they found people who were anti-immigration, they didn't necessarily hit them with an immigration message. They hit them with something else but it swayed them to perhaps vote in a particular way. Mm, yeah. So you mentioned, uh, like, well, one of the things that we hear is that as we get closer to election dates, harder to kind of fight against fake news. What does this mean and how can we protect ourselves from it as voters? Uh, well, a lot of uh, fake news re- relies on, I suppose, people sharing, um, sharing it. And so, if you can identify and be critical about what you're sharing, that is the first step to being able to slow it down. And that it comes a lot back to curating the information that you are spreading through your own communities and, um, and being very critical about what you choose to, to push and to amplify. So what I'd be right in saying is like check the, not just the source of like who's sending that, like publishing that message, but the source of whatever they're saying. But see, no one's doing that, Sky. That's yeah. what I mean. No one's going to do that. And that's the, that's the terrifying bit. I think it's like, and I understand that we can put it here as a suggestion, mm. but I just know that like people aren't, people don't have time to bloody call their mum for their birthday. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to put mm. a realistic viewpoint on this. I mean, on that, Tom, what is the, what's the ideal solution? Because if it means that I'm all for, and this podcast has very much been about that of making sure that we take responsibility back in our own hands, but there's got to be a point where we also need to have things legislated or at least protected that we're not finding every single thing we see we have to go in and do some form of investigative research in. Where's the where's the line here? Is it going to be a point where we have to take Sky's suggestion in the future and that's going to be the only way? Or is there some plan moving forward to regulate this kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, you have to have a structural solution. And a very simple one is to regulate the online tech giants in the same way that traditional media is regulated. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would be a massive cost to their business because they'd have to employ thousands upon thousands of people to vet content. But the, the straight truth is that they're running massive media platforms and that cost 
is a cost that every other media platform has to comply with. So they should be complying with it as well. Yeah. And another, well, just one thing, like, so for the broadcast media, there's a blackout before the election. So after the election's on Saturday, after Wednesday, the parties can't run ads on all the main like, yeah, and, mainstream media. Yeah, and this is the, but, cra- the crazy thing. Where I'm very aware of this being a broadcaster. It just blows my mind that there's so many different rules for us than there is for firstly online, but then also for government. Well, that that is a rule for government that they can't well, run they can't, ads. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is, it doesn't apply to social media. So you can imagine they're going to amp it up in those last whatever it is three days. And on top of that, that's the easiest way to propagate fake news is like over digital and you know so you probably see it going nuts in those last three days I think the sharing one's an actual very practical one mm. to consider. The amount of things that I've seen, relatives that are really none the wiser, sharing something that they think is just a simple today, tonight video that they've seen from three years ago that's now gone viral and it just seems to be a coincidence that it's got some political attachment to it. Like it's terrifying to see how easy it looks, like how how kind of um, every day it looks. But, Tom, apart from the sharing, are there any other things that you would recommend that don't involve us necessarily having to do something and maybe it's more being aware or not doing something, I think is probably more yeah. realistic anyway. I think I think an awareness of, of where and why fake news is occurring is very important. So, for instance, fake news is actually a very important income stream to people in the Philippines who um, actually farm out fake news in order to generate money through um, the advertising revenue that comes from it. And so, I mean, I think there's an Aspie report that has gone into this in a little bit of detail, but understanding that there is someone at the end of it who is specialised in going around targeting elections around the world with fake news in order to make money out of it, and that's their vocation, is very important. And that's why you have to be very careful uh, about what you share and be very critical about what you're viewing. Mm. So just go into it with a critical eye. And I think you, one thing you can do is just uh, see and if other news outlets are reporting on that topic. If you've only trusted seen, outlets, yeah. But if there's like if it's something that's very evocative, but it's the only place you've seen it reported, that might be a sign that it's fake news. Mm. Hey, Tom, thanks so much for coming and unpacking that with us. It's awesome to have you, and we've got you writing an article for Wivo on how to spot fake news too. So if you want to log we'll on, we'll put in. that in show notes. Yeah, yeah. Thank thanks, you very much. Tom. Did you know? Contrary to what you might think, Hack have confirmed that 68% of young people are interested in the 2019 election. Please give us a subscribe. That is where you'll be able to find out when we drop the next episode, as well as a review um, and a rating, which helps us get this message out to a lot of people. Think about that subscribe as your way of paying it forward, because think about how many people this election are feeling like, I don't even know where to begin. Mm. So if more people can have that toolkit to go, here's how I can make my voice heard, the better. Mm. Okay, we'll see you next time, guys. See you next week. Bijou Podcasts. The home of taboo conversations.